Well, uh, well, welcome to uh, everyone who's joining us at Dinner Church in St. Jacob tonight also. Uh, My my name's Andy. I'm so glad uh, that each of you is here today as we, uh, you know, join together in this uh, Christmas season. I I fully get that that Christmas time, you know, it has a lot of ups and downs. Um, There there are some struggles around the Christmas. Uh, Christmas season, uh, just depending on what your your experiences are, maybe a loss of a loved one or just difficult times. I, and and I hope this can be a, a safe refuge for you over uh, the course of the next several weeks. Um, at the same time, one of the things that I've discovered that that just about everybody looks forward to around the Christmas season is are, are the, the, the the shows like the the movies, the TV, uh, uh, animated classics, all the fun uh, shows and movies that come uh, during the Christmas time. And that's why uh, we've decided to have some fun with this new message series, uh, Christmas Classics, where we're going to take a look at the, uh, the basic storyline of each of these uh, uh, shows over the next uh, few weeks and, and see how Jesus, uh, the highly anticipated birth of Jesus, helps to rewrite the script, not only of those stories, but of the story of our lives. Um, and we're, the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, The Christmas Story, uh, Elf, one of my uh, new favorite classics, um, and on Christmas Eve, um, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, but today, as you can see, we are kicking things off with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, now, I, I think most of you are familiar with the story of the Grinch, uh, but the real question is, how familiar are you? Uh, if you saw the e-reach go out this week, you uh, got a little tease that we're going to be having a, a trivia over the course of this message series. So uh, today you received, when you came in, a bulletin uh, with a message notes sheet. Now, some of you never take notes on that, and we're going to change that today uh, because uh, you need to pull that out because we're going to take a little trivia contest, and you need to, you, you'll want to participate in this. Uh, there are 10 questions, so you'll want to number one to 10 somewhere along the side, pull out a pen or a pencil. Um, so so uh, there will be prizes for winners. Uh, if, you, if you win uh, here today, uh, then your name will go in a drawing with all the winners from the other worship services. Uh, we had at 8 o'clock uh, service, there were two people who got 9 out of 10 right. So that's the standard so far. Uh, but but uh, you got yourself ready? Uh, we're we're going to do this. I'm going to do my, my best. I mean, I look like a game show host right now, don't I? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, here, here's the first question. Okay, and you're going to be handing these to uh, somebody next to you uh, to grade. So you'll want to put uh, a, a nice, nice uh, handwriting on. So first question, don't shout out the answers, write them down. What was the dog's name in the Grinch? What was the Grinch's dog's name? You'll want to write that down. If you don't know, you don't know it. You're, you're not going to be able to guess it. Uh, n- number two, how many sizes too small is the Grinch's heart at the beginning of the story? Multiple choice here. A is two, B is three, C is four, and D is ten. What do you think it is? Multiple choice here. All right, question three. What is the mountain? What mountain does the Grinch live on? What's the name of the mountain he lives on? We're going to be doing this each week, so you're going to want to study up next week. All right, number four. What is the name of the girl who almost catches the Grinch? Actually, kind of, sort of does catch him, but... but, uh, 
Uh, he fools her. Is her name Betty Lou Who? Mindy Lou Who? Amanda Lou Who? Or Cindy Lou Who? Which one is it? They all sound good, don't they? Which one is it? Number five is a one-word answer for the one thing that the Grinch hated most about Christmas. What is the one thing he hated most? Oh no, don't say it. Don't say it. I know, I know you know it. Don't say it though. All right, number six. How many sizes does the Grinch's heart grow at the end of the story? How many sizes? A, two, B, three, C, four, D, 10. Some of you are second-guessing your answer earlier. All right, number seven. What is the main course for the Who's Christmas Feast? The main course for the Who's Christmas Feast. Number eight. Some of you may remember this. So no excuses for getting this one wrong. What year was the cartoon originally aired on TV? 1960, 1963, 1966, or 1969? It is one of those. Now, if you're feeling really bad right now, uh, we did a little trivia contest with the youth group on Wednesday night, and uh, there, were, there were different sections, and it was multiple choice answers. Um, and there was a whole section on the Proverbs, uh, only it was in King James English. And I am embarrassed to say I got zero out of 10 correct. <laughs> on that. I could have just guessed C every time and got them right. Total, oh, it's horrible. Uh, so don't feel bad if you fail miserably on this. Uh, but number nine, uh, we're fast forwarding to uh, the theatrical version that's in theaters now. Who is the voice of the Grinch in, in the theatrical version that is in the movie theaters now? Famous actor, who is the voice of the Grinch? Famous actor over the last decade. All right, number 10, going back to the animated classic. What famous actor provided the voice of the narrator and the Grinch in the animated classic? And here's a little hint. He was best known for his portrayal of Frankenstein in the 30s. Gosh, that's like 90 years ago. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, wrap that up and uh, hand it to somebody next to you. It's okay if it's a spouse. Uh, we follow the honor system here. Uh, we're going to grade this. All right, we'll see what you know. Uh, have you exchanged it? You got it? All right, no changing answers after this moment. All right, the answer to the first one. Anybody remember the, the Grinch's dog's name? Max, that's correct, Max, very good. All right, how many sizes too small is the Grinch's heart at the beginning of the story? Two, you're right, it's two sizes too small. So A is the correct answer, A or, or two. Uh, what mountain, what's mountain? What, where does he live? Mount Crumpet, Crumpet. If, if, you, if, you, if 
you know, phonetically it's correct, that counts. Crum crumpet. Uh, four, what's the uh, name of the little girl? Cindy Lou Who. That's right. Like I said, they all sound good, but it's Cindy. Cindy's the answer, D. Um, now, somebody over here had the answer to what's the one thing the Grinch hated most? Noise. Noise. Singing doesn't count. That's not, it's a, he hates singing too, but it's not the one thing he hates most. Noise, 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 noise. Number six. How many sizes does the Grinch's heart grow at the end of the story? Three. It's three. Three sizes. It grows three sizes. So somebody who's really good at math will know, does his heart start bigger? Or does it end bigger than, it's, than it was too small? Figure that one out. Uh, what, what's the main course for the uh, Who's Christmas Feast? Roast beast. Roast beef does not count. Roast beast. I think that's what we're having for dinner church right now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what year uh, was the cartoon originally aired on TV? 66. Oh, you know, I forgot to tell you no cell phones. I sure hope that nobody used their cell phone to figure that one out. 1966. Uh, uh, number nine, who's, who's the, uh, the voice uh, in the present movie that's out now? Benedict Cumberbatch. That's right. If you don't know who he is, well, start watching movies again. Uh, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, number 10, who's the, uh, the 30s Frankenstein uh, original voice of the Grinch and the narrator? Boris Karloff. That's right. Boris Karloff. Okay, did anybody get all 10? All right, all right. Uh, anybody get nine out of 10? Oh my. Eight o'clock. I, I never would have guessed. Eight o'clock would have. Uh, eight? Eight? No. There's an eight in the back. Okay, a couple people who have eight. Uh, make sure, uh, uh, Rick, can you just get people's names and write, write the names down of the folks who raise their hands? Keep your, keep your hand raised until uh, Rick writes your names down. You'll go into a drawing. Very good job. I'm impressed. I'm impressed, everybody. Uh, since, since you are Grinch know-it-alls, uh, you, uh, you don't need me to tell you what the Grinch's number one goal was in the story, do you? Uh, but just in case uh, you've forgotten, check this excerpt out uh, from the animated classic. The whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm, lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every Who down in Whoville beneath was busy now, hanging a Hollywood wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled for the sneer. 
Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers, nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. For tomorrow, I know. All those school girls and boys will wake bright and early. They'll rush for their toys and then... Oh, that noise, oh, that noise, 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 noise. There's one thing I hate. All that noise, 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 noise. And they'll sing and they'll sing and they'll sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this whole Christmas thing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years I put up with it now. I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea. An awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. The Grinch's goal was to stop Christmas from coming. He, he was filled with, with such hatred, really some rage, uh, such that he wanted to kill Christmas. Now, believe it or not, uh, there's someone in the biblical story whose goal was also to kill Christmas. His name was King Herod. And his story, his part of the Christmas story, can be found in the beginning parts of Matthew chapter 2. Now, you're, you're probably somewhat familiar with the story of the wise men, uh, the magi, who traveled uh, far uh, from the east, uh, bringing uh, with them gifts, uh, and they had followed a star, a star that had signaled uh, to them and, and to all who were paying attention the birth of a new king. And their journey led them to Herod's castle in Jerusalem. If they were to, to find a king, they suspected it would be in a capital city, um, in, in a castle, uh, where they assumed this king would be born. But the Bible says that Herod, who uh, was actually Jewish himself, but was the Roman-appointed king in the area, uh, the Bible says that Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard that they were there to worship some new king. And when Herod's scribes searched the scriptures, they learned that uh, this new king would presumably be born in Bethlehem, uh, a small town just a, a few miles outside of Jerusalem. Um, so Herod directed the wise men there, and he requested that, that they, when they found this new king, uh, that they would come back and report to him so that he could, quote, worship him too. Well, the wise men did find the young child, Jesus, and when they left Bethlehem, they avoided Herod because they had been warned in a dream uh, not to tell him where Jesus was. In a completely separate dream, Mary's husband, Joseph, uh, was, was uh, informed that Herod wanted to kill Jesus. So he packed up his family and, and moved them off uh, and fled to Egypt as a refugee. And that's where we pick up in verse 16 of chapter 2. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys 
in, in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. Herod, Herod wanted to kill Christmas too. Now sadly for him, this, this was not out of his character. He was a ruthless tyrant who history records as uh, brutally uh, slaughtering anyone who was a potential threat to his kingdom, uh, including uh, many of his relatives, uh, really even three of his own sons Herod had killed because of their potential threat to his reign. So ordering children killed was not out of character for this Grinch, especially considering that the size of Bethlehem, uh, uh, it was probably only between uh, one and two dozen uh, total boys in, in that uh, age range. But anyone, anyone who was a potential rival, a potential competitor king to Herod had to be eliminated. That's why Herod wanted to kill Christmas. Of course, as a modern culture, uh, we're too civilized for that kind of violence. Although even that's in question sometimes these days. Uh, regardless, uh, it is still possible to kill Christmas in subtle ways with the same purpose and intention that Herod and the Grinch had. You see, something surprising happens when you become a follower of Jesus. When you really surrender your heart to God and you become a Christian, a child of God. Uh, Christmas isn't just about a personal savior who brings us peace and hope and joy with his birth. That's, that's part of the Christmas story, and it's the part of the Christmas story that we like to focus on because it's, it's the comforting, it's the, the feel-good part of the Christmas story. And, and it's true. But the Bible's story of Christmas involves a lot more. You know, the biblical story of Christmas is about a king being born. A king who ushers in a brand new kingdom with his birth. And, and yes, his kingdom is filled with hope and, and peace and joy. But along with that, we've got to understand that this new kingdom and the values that are a part of this kingdom stand in sharp contrast to all the kingdoms of our world. With Jesus, God's kingdom came to earth. And, and, and that is amazing news. That is great, great news. But it also means that there will be war. War with our kingdoms. It threatened Herod's kingdom. And so he wanted to kill Christmas. He wanted to have Jesus killed. And it begs the question, in what ways does Jesus' kingdom threaten our kingdoms such that we might consciously or more than likely unconsciously want to kill Christmas. I mean, really, there are, there are many possibilities. I mean, Jesus' kingdom way of life is, is so utterly countercultural that following him 
really makes us radical. Uh, whether, whether it's his kingdom values uh, about the way that we treat the poor uh, or the foreigner among us or, or the dignity and worth of every human life or, or the way that we are called to relate to our enemies or, or the way that we're called to forgive those who offend us or the way that we're, we're called to not seek revenge or, or his approach when faced with violence uh, or the way that we are to pursue holiness and purity in our sexual lives or, or how we're called to set aside our own pride and our preferences in order to be humble servants of others. And King Jesus and his kingdom way of life stand in sharp contrast to the kingdoms of our culture and, and the kingdoms sometimes that we've built for ourselves. You know, living as a part of God's kingdom makes us uncomfortable. And it can come across as radical to those around us. And sometimes with that radical nature of things, it, it makes us stand out in such a way that it brings the wrath of warring kingdoms to our very own backyard. Yes, the, the birth of baby King Jesus is accompanied by conflict and even war, war between his kingdom and our former kingdoms. And, and the main battleground really is, is, is right here. Not, not with the Grinch. Um, it, it, the, main, the main battleground is in our hearts. That, that's, that's the main battleground of this war. And, and whenever we turn from his kingdom values to fit in or, or to keep our, our lives comfortable and at peace, then, then really we are subtly killing Christmas. We are choosing some other king over the newborn king. You know, coincidentally, the way that the Grinch tried to kill the Who's Christmas highlights a particular kingdom of this earth that is a major rival to God's kingdom. Uh, our kingdom of stuff. Call it materialism or consumerism or greed or whatever. We, we can so easily get sucked into this uh, aspect of, of our cultural Christmas without even thinking twice about it. You know, our pursuit of stuff, I mean, it really can be an idol in our lives and is, is a rival king to us. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or a little bit of money, uh, the, the, the clamor for more and bigger and better, or this new trendy gadget, or, or this thing that's going to make my life better, or more fun, or enjoyable, it's a temptation that we all face, and, and it can easily, so easily, become the focus of our entire lives, let alone Christmas. Now, I find, just practically speaking, that it's difficult to determine if this rival king has kicked Jesus off the throne of our hearts. Uh, we, we don't all have to be misers and live with little to nothing. Uh, although, just personally, I am always inspired by people who, whose lives are more simple uh, than mine. I'm inspired by that. But, but I think it's important to ask yourself the, the questions. You know, how can someone on the outside of my life, lo looking in, tell what kingdom I belong to? Am I living in such a way that, that clearly shows that stuff is not my king, but that Jesus is? You know, when we are really following Jesus, our lives, gosh, they, they look radical. 
they look radical to those who live with values of other kingdoms. Uh, take, for instance, uh, this, this revelation of the Grinch after he tried to kill the Who's Christmas by robbing them of all of their stuff. One of my favorite scenes. humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's down in who will will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle of a saw. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Aren't those who's radicals? It was clear that Christmas for them wasn't all about the stuff, the gifts. And the Grinch was faced with the radical idea that, you know, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store, maybe Christmas perhaps is a little bit more. Yes, the coming of the newborn king, it brings war against the rival kings and kingdoms in our lives. But when we live under the reign of this humble king, then our, our lives can be filled with hope and peace and joy. That can never be taken away because your security, your identity, and everything that really matters in this life is tied in to a relationship with Jesus. And he's the gift that can never be stolen. The Grinch more or less saw that 
in the joy that the Who's continued to have even after he took their stuff. And, and seeing that changed his heart. When you live in, in the life of Christ's kingdom, it, it's going to make some people angry. It's going to bring uh, some wishes of harm your direction. But it will be a radical witness to many, many others such that their hearts and lives can be transformed and experience a peace that can never be taken away from them either. And I tell you what, collectively as a church family, you have shown in very, very specific ways that you have chosen King Jesus and his kingdom instead of the king of greed and the kingdoms of materialism and stuff. Jesus tells us that we cannot serve two kings it's impossible. We cannot serve two masters. He said you can't serve both God and money. And, and he showed us that the way to conquer that other king, that rival king, is to yourself become a giver, to live a life of generosity. And Troy UMC, you have done that and continue to do that over and over and over again in so many amazing ways. Uh, in, in your message notes, uh, I, uh, I've printed out a few ways at the bottom of those notes, if you can decipher them now with all your answers around. Uh, but, but you can continue uh, to practice giving and generosity throughout the Christmas season um, in a variety of ways. Uh, one way is our December and Christmas offerings, which we as a church are going to give away 10% of to the work of God beyond us, uh, just like we did last year. Uh, but there are other ways uh, that you can live generously uh, this holiday season uh, through, through ways that uh, Becky is going to be uh, sharing in just a few moments, as well as uh, a highlight of, uh, that I, I put in there of delivering Christmas baskets through our local food pantry, uh, Ministries Unlimited. Uh, you can use the Twigs Advent calendars that many of you received last week and, and countless other opportunities that you can take on your own to live intentionally uh, to avoid killing Christmas. Uh, but in closing, I just want to share one big way that, that you all have chosen to trust God and to live generously as you've stepped up to support the mission and vision of our church, which we've been sharing the last several weeks through Mission 1-8. Um, and you've stepped up in some amazing ways. Uh, as, as you uh, may be aware, um, our goal uh, for the next two years to fund the vision of our church was uh, 1.9 million dollars of, of income toward our general budget. And uh, do we have those slides uh, available? Uh, uh, for the next two years, that's what we hope to raise, uh, 1.9 million dollars, which really is a, a jump of about 300,000 dollars from our current um, uh, tracking of income. And, and the way that uh, we're hoping to reach that goal is really to have uh, giving from three different sources. Uh, group A would be those who uh, filled out a pledge card, made a commitment um, on our Count Me In Sunday and, and afterwards and in some cases before. Uh, but also group B uh, are uh, other regular givers in our church who are consistent in their giving and yet uh, did, for whatever reason didn't fill out a, a commitment card. Um, and group C would be you know, new people who become a part of our church family in 2019 and 2020 um, and, and begin giving in some form or fashion. Now, it's really, really difficult for us to estimate group C uh, because you just don't know. Uh, so we're not even going to really take a, a, a shot at that, but, but track record shows that it could be anywhere from thirty dollars to $60,000 annually. Uh, but uh, group B, uh, we have estimated um, a couple different ways uh, based on the giving trends of, of specific folks. Uh, 
Um, and so a uh, co very conservative estimate is about $400,000, uh, whereas a more liberal, um, possibly more realistic uh, guesstimation is a little over $500,000. So that gives us a, a number range um, that uh, our church council has added to Group A. Group A, which represents 165 households in our church, and you all have committed, here you can put that slide up now, uh, 1.5 million dollars, 1,541,869 dollars, which you add that with group B and even the most conservative estimates uh, put us uh, well beyond our 1.9 million dollar goal, even up into the, the 2 million, next slide please, even over uh, uh, 2 million, and that doesn't even include group C. So, so let me tell you just a little bit of what this represents. 85% uh, of people who made commitments took some sort of step up the generosity ladder. Uh, and, and that reflects 40% growth overall and an additional $430,000 of giving. Um, we have over 81% of our goal reached through committed giving, which it blows my mind. And really, I and our uh, church council, I have just been in awe uh, of the, the way that you've stepped forward. And here's just a taste of what that means. Uh, Monday night, this past Monday night, our church council met together and with great confidence in God, um, unanimously approved a 2019 budget that includes uh, everything, every part of our uh, uh, vision that we have shared in Mission 1-8, including increasing our mission giving from 5% of our general budget to 7.5%, uh, which is a, a big jump. Uh, we're, we're jumping from 25% of our mortgage payment, uh, which uh, really is a result of purchasing uh, the ball fields and additional land behind us. Uh, we're jumping up to paying 100% of that out of our general budget. Uh, we're funding additional staff positions and hours, a, a men's retreat this coming year, and more journey groups, uh, as well as a dinner church in St. Jacob, um, and, and uh, funds to hire uh, an architect to help us begin to develop a master plan for all of our grounds and facilities so that we can prepare for the way that we as a church will be inviting more and more people on a journey with Jesus um, way into the future. Um, friends, this, this is... This is amazing, and it reflects a church overall and many, many individuals who are trusting God and choosing generosity in such a powerful way uh, that it makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is the one who sits on the throne of our hearts, and it just makes me proud uh, to, to be um, uh, uh, privileged to be called your pastor, so praise God. Let, let's pray together. Uh, God in heaven, uh, really, we, we just thank you so much for the ways that you are working in and through our church. For the generosity of this congregation and the ways that, that you want to work in us and through us uh, to reach widely and proclaim that Jesus is the greatest gift ever. Lord, thank you for the, the hope and the peace and the joy that, this, that his kingdom offers uh, but Lord, would you help us not forget that this newborn king stands in sharp opposition to the kingdoms 
that we often find comfortable in our everyday lives. Lord, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to embolden us to live our lives in, in such a way that it is clear that Jesus is our King and that his kingdom reigns in our hearts. Whether that's by the way that we love our enemies or pray for those who persecute us or the way that we humbly serve e even those who offend us or, or, or the way that we stand up for the marginalized, uh, even the way that we give. May your spirit lead us to win the war in our hearts when Jesus' kingdom and the kingdoms of this world are in conflict. Lord, the last thing that we want to do is kill Christmas. The last thing that we want to do is deny and miss out on the hope you bring us in the birth of this newborn king. May his kingdom reign forever and ever in this world and also in our hearts. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.